As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Until I saw the Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Mike Russo. Thanks as always for tuning in. If you're not a subscriber, dollar a month right now, dollar a month. Uh, we'll get you in for six months. Please subscribe because I just had to drop about a quick 400 bucks on a one-way flight from, from uh, where are we? Ronald Reagan to Nashville. So I've been here six hours, was on Delta, immediate uh, maintenance delay. And uh, next thing I know, they delay the flight to at least one o'clock and tell me I'm going to get to Nashville tomorrow. So uh, they wouldn't put me on American. So I booked a one-way on American and uh so that's where I am, six hours after I got here around 5 a.m. So another uh, just added story to a long uh, season of just travel uh, uh, nightmares just over and over and over again. So uh, pretty wearing. But uh, another really good win by the Wild last night here in Washington. Uh, 5-1 victory over the Washington Capitals. Capitals hadn't played in six days. You figured they'd be rusty, but man, did they have no legs, and it pretty much was no legs all game long because the Wild played so, so well defensively. And that was one night after the Wild also only gave up one goal in North Carolina to beat the Carolina Hurricanes. So two Eastern Conference heavyweights the Wild beat on back-to-back nights. Good start to this four-game trip that now goes on to Nashville and St. Louis. The team uh, takes uh, will take uh, today off on Monday, play the Predators on Tuesday. Then they have a team bonding golf outing on Wednesday in Nashville, but the weather is supposed to be uh, harrowing, so I'm guessing that will be canceled. Um, maybe we'll find out from our guest today, uh, Director of Team Operations, uh, Andrew Height. Andrew Height, returning champion to this podcast. He's been on here so, so many times. He'll tell us just about what uh, type of year this has been with helping plan the Winter Classic. Um, 
you know, everything from the Miko Koiva retirement to, um, to obviously dealing with, uh, scheduled, rescheduled games for the pandemic and things like that. And <clears throat> then the team bonding, uh, thing, we'll see what they do Wednesday if they can't golf. Uh, then they go on to St. Louis. They'll practice in St. Louis on Thursday and then play the Blues on Friday, their first game in St. Louis this year, their first game in an indoor rink against St. Louis this year. Because remember, the Winter Classic was uh, a game where the Wild lost six to four, didn't have a good first couple periods, rally back late to make the score look a little. Um, <clears throat> more, uh, you know, uh, respectful, respectable, um, but obviously not a good game for the Wild that night. And Matt Zuccarello let him have it. And what did he do after that? The Wild, uh, they went on a 10-game point streak. So Wild now on a 10-game point streak again. So they've been on a 9-game point streak this year, a 10-game point streak, and now a 10-game point streak going into Nashville. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10 games, and they have um, given up in those 10 games just 16 goals. And remember, they had given up about 70 goals in the 15 games prior. Now, 11 of those, I believe, were empty netters. Um, but obviously, this team needed to tighten up defensively. They needed to get better goaltending, and now they are doing that not only from Cam Talbot, but from Marc-Andre Fleury, who is 3-0 uh, with the Wild so far. But Cam Talbot hasn't let Marc-Andre Fleury's arrival uh, shatter his confidence by any stretch. He's 8, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, 8-0-1 in his last nine starts. So um, really, really um, good hockey coming from this team right now. Kirill Kaprizov breaks the franchise record uh, the other night with one goal and one assist in uh, Raleigh. He now has 85 points with 14 games to go uh, and looks on pace. Uh, uh, looks as long as he's healthy that he'll shatter that 100 uh, point mark that nobody in wild history has ever done. He's also three goals from 42 to tie Eric Stahl and Marion Gabrick for the goals record. So, um, you know, really good game for by him and Carolina. Uh, Matt Zuccarello now an assist away from tying Pierre Marpouchard's record, and actually Kaprizov is right behind him. Um, Kaprizov, um, Ovechkin, first game they played against each other last night here. Uh, neither player was very good. Uh, Ovi st- stopped on a couple shots early, had four in the game, assisted on the late. Um, Hathaway goal in the third period that really just uh, turned a 4 nothing game into a 4-1 game and did really nothing for the game. So Kaprizov, though, um, yeah, you know, as, as tough a game as we've seen him play, just really wasn't creating much, had no shots on goal in his first game against Ovechkin, but uh, obviously uh, just playing great hockey alongside Matt Zuccarello. The grief line last night, eight points plus three. Um, and uh, three goals, two by Erickson Eck and one by Felino, each hit the 20-goal mark. The Wild now have six 20-goal scorers. That's tops in the NHL, tied with the Florida Panthers and the St. Louis Blues. So um, now these games against Nashville and St. Louis are pretty uh, important to, uh, in terms of the Wild have 91 points, I believe a five-point edge now in St. Louis uh, for that third spot. So home ice advantage obviously would be huge for this team going into the first round for a team that doesn't get past the first round often, but also also would be very, very important because this team has just been great at, ha- at home. But St. Louis and Nashville have had their uh, the Wilds number. Nashville has beaten them two times this year convincingly. St. Louis uh, one time in the Winter Classic, but last year, remember, the Wild were 2-4-2 two, two against the Blues and were out- sh- outscored, if I remember correctly, 35-19. to 19. So they've got to show that they can beat the Blues. I do think the Blues are beatable this year. Um, in fact, I actually am of the opinion that the Blues would be a better matchup for Minnesota than, Saint- than, uh, than Nashville, but that's just obviously an opinion, but it'll be interesting because the Wild played two games in St. Louis, two games in Nashville the rest of the way, and obviously those games could, may, uh, it could really decide, um, you know, frankly, who the Wild are going to play in the first round of the playoffs. So, um, yeah, uh, team is playing really well. Um, they're getting great, great play, a lot of 
quality depth from a lot of guys in the lineup. Um, we're seeing Dean Evason, you know, the front end of a back-to-back, no penalties really in the game. So he's able to roll four lines, control his ice time for a game against Washington where the Wild had a lot of energy playing two times in 24 hours. But they're getting really quality play from the Tyson Joes, the Jake Middletons, and the Nick Deloriers, three guys that Bill Guerin acquired at the trade deadline. I mean, look at look at the last couple of minutes of these games when the Wild are trying to defend empty uh, with an extra attacker. Who's on the ice? Guys like the Laurier, Jost, Felino, um, you know, and and Dean Evison told the players after the game in Carolina that really they played so well that he could have put anybody on the ice to defend those uh, those uh, minutes there. Uh, Flurry's been awesome as we talked about, um, and has added a refreshing refreshing uh, presence in that locker room by all. I mean, it's just been really fun to watch. Uh, the only the only sad part is when you cover Mark Andre Fleury, you want to kind of hang out in the locker room because he says so many funny things when you just hang out by his stall, and it's just such a endearing presence. And um, you know, unfortunately, it's a little different. Obviously, when you we're in, we're in a position right now because of the pandemic where we're still getting guys out of the locker room. Hopefully, that changes. I'm not sure about in the playoffs, but hopefully, definitely by next season, uh, we'll be more back to normal. Uh, you know, even if we had a test. Uh, you know, I went down to the GM's meetings last week. We tested when we got there. If we were negative, we didn't have to wear a mask around Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and it was just uh, you know it just made life a lot more uh, normal feeling so um, you know just my opinion on that it'd be nice to get back in the locker room um, guarantee uh, as I said uh, you know I'm doing this podcast the open of this podcast from Ronald Reagan Airport before I get to Nashville but I'll be talking to Andrew Height later but I guarantee it's gonna be a good podcast it always is with Andrew Height who's got the most stressful job in the world and I wish he helped me today he would have been able to probably get me on a private jet to Nashville. Who knows? Uh, Before we get to Andrew, here's a word from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, returning champion is Andrew Hyde. Andrew has been on the podcast many, many times, and he's always backed by popular demand. Uh, fans just love uh, hearing your your stories, some of your horror stories, because you are the logistical uh, expert of the Minnesota Wild, Andrew. I mean, you've you know do all the travel. I always see it hold up in your office, uh, you know, busy, busy as a bee. And, um, and this has been a, another, you know, every year it feels like has been challenging. Last year we talked about the pandemic. Um, and this year you've had everything from the winter classic to the Miko Koivu, uh, Jersey retirement to more reschedules. It's been a, it's been a fun year or busier. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Michael. Um, I'd like to say I'm the voice of many people, and that's why people (laughs) want me back, because I'm the the eyes that can tell the stories. But um, yeah, it's been an interesting year. Before this year started, I said all along, I said, I think this is going to be the toughest year yet from the last three, just because we're pushing so hard to get back to what the, you know, quote unquote, new normal is. Um, and as the economy opens back up and, you know, everyone wants to get back out and try to, you know, live a normal life, we're still trying to manage and, and get through to, to have a successful season. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, this year is definitely the toughest. Yeah, we don't have the, the outbreaks and the, the uh, you know, the, the hardcore testing that we had to go through the first couple of years and, and dealing with the actual, 
you know, virus inside the locker room. But as far as logistics go, this is by far the toughest um, season, you know, uh, of the last three. Yeah, because you're also navigating a couple special things in the in between. But really, up until the All Star break, it it did feel like we were hardcore still in the pandemic because they were testing every day. And when you test every day, you're, yeah. you're getting positives. I don't think that magically in the last m two months that COVID has dropped off the NHL planet. Uh, it's like two guys I think have tested positive: Kyle Tonner, Connor and Adam Lowry. Uh, but it <laughs> yeah, and I think that goes back to you know the the league has put it you know kind of back on the teams to make sure we monitor it properly and we're still abiding by the the um jurisdictions put in by each city as well as you know making sure that we follow the guidelines that are still in place with the league so mm -hmm. um you know i don't think it's out in the open as much or i don't think it's you know as visible but we're still on the back end of it really being cautious and really making sure that the guys and our full travel party and everybody involved are, are following the rules and um, just like everybody involved through the fans to the players to the front office to um, the support staff we just want to finish the year like we've done in the past and you know get to that stanley cup so we, we we're we're still obeying the rules right what was it like that december day when carolina it became very clear that they had an outbreak uh, when they were at xl energy center and that really triggered you know really an upheaval in the wild schedule even though you guys didn't have the outbreak um you know detroit had a cancellation game uh, a postponed game um uh, obviously winnipeg had a couple uh that was mostly because of attendance not really covid um, Carolina, there was one other team as well, but what they wound up being was about eight or nine year games. Yeah, we, you know, it, and like I said, it, this year was interesting because we had a, a transition from, you know, the start of the year was still very heavy COVID conscious. Yeah. And there was a lot, you know, clearly because, you know, with the NHL not going to the Olympics, we used that full month to make up games. Mm -hmm. I think there was over, you know, don't, quote my exact number but i think there was over 120 to 140 yeah. games that needed to be made up in the league um league-wide you know over that three-week span um and we had seven to be made up mm -hmm. and whether they were because of us or not we still had to get mentally focused to lose that break and you know play on and and um you know that was one of the the big hurdles that i've, I've faced this year is is rescheduling and, and making sure that all the logistical pieces are, are in place to make it happen um you know just with you know as the nhl is trying to reschedule schedule games so is the nba mm -hmm. you know we both use delta you know there was there was a lot of layers that needed to fall into place to make sure we could even just get to point a to b yeah especially up in canada where you know you have all the testing protocols and yet but you went up there on three different trips in you know and played what was it uh six games in and, canada in february and that was where you know we all held our breath as we yeah. tested to and from and, and tell me about it um you know that was that was where it was interesting because you know the canadian jurisdictions in each city were so much different than the u.s at the mm -hmm. time so we just really had to maintain or, or manage the players and the, the travel party's expectations of what, you know, what we can do, what, what the, the testing process is, what the, you know, if, if you get stuck in Canada, how can you get back? You know, there was, there was stories of, you know, other counterparts having to try to smuggle people across the border, <laughs> right? Essentially. Yeah. So um, knock on wood, we didn't have to, we, we stayed healthy during that time, and and um, now hopefully just it's in the rearview mirror. 
Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's funny. In the in, uh, month of February, I think in a span of a week, I got tested seven times once because, you know, like I had, I had to take one test in Winnipeg on a Wednesday. And then we were going to Calgary a couple of days later. And that test was like three hours too soon for me to fly to Calgary. So I land from Winnipeg and have to go right to a CBS. I think, I think was, that day you actually asked me if you could just fly in the yeah, belly of the plane yeah, just to I, get there. I, 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 well, the one thing I remember that day in Calgary, I said to you, I'm like, hey, I'm just telling you right now, if I test positive, I'm coming to beg you to get me home some way. I don't, I don't know if Billy would have approved an air ambulance home for uh, for the beat writer, but uh, but very, uh, um, you know, but that, it was it was pretty uh, nerve wracking. You, you know, know? And, and leading up to those seven games that we had to. Um, you know the postponed games that we had to, to make up you know leading up to the year we were so road heavy right we we were on the road we were you know winning hockey games we were having fun um but there's still that grind that extra grind of being on the road um hotel to hotel city to city time zone to time zone and you know then you lose that that break as well and mm -hmm. you got to power through and and battle through those next seven games and you know credit to you know, our, our group, our, our players, our coaches, management to keep that morale high during that time, because, you know, in a grind season like we do every year, you kind of look for those moments where you can take a breath. No doubt. And that that span, we weren't able to take a breath and we managed and, and we battled through it. But um, that was a tough that was a tough point through the year. You know, we, and we can talk about this here in a little bit, but the Winter Classic. Yeah. You know, there was so much buildup to the Winter Classic and so much planning and so much hype and, and, you know, so much just from a player's perspective too, family, friends, everyone coming into town. Um, you know, that was exhausting in itself. And then to get to the next point where you think you're going to take a breath and you're not able to, again, just credit to our group to, to battle through it. The uh, Winter Classic, you found out really last minute that the families were going to have to get tested. Uh, tell everybody how you set that up. Yeah, you know what? It was, we've, as an organization, and, and you know, credit to, to Craig Leopold and, and, you know, the senior management staff or, or group who've been working with the league for years. We've been working with the league for years to try to get this game. And, you know, we, it was postponed as of, la, you know, last year with COVID. And so we were able to, to have it this year. And, and um, but Target Field, unbelie unbelievable venue. I, you know, I was fortunate enough to open that venue in 2010 when I was with the Minnesota Twins. Um, and it, but it's not made for, for negative 20 degree weather. Yeah. So we had to work, you know endless hours with their operation staff with the league with with our group to make sure everything was in order just in case we had a, a below freezing day which it i think did. we can all remember back it was negative 27 i think at puck drop yeah so um i think you know to get over those little hurdles plus add the covid um you know testing and all the covid restrictions for family interaction and whatnot it was a big big project and you know you can only check so many boxes, right? And, until you feel good about going into an event. And an event at this magnitude, um, you never feel fully prepared and you just gotta tell yourself, the little things that don't get done, no one else is gonna know about, right? It's just with a large trip or a, a, an event or whatnot. So anybody that's in events and planning knows that. Right. Um, but when you have continually, when you continually have, you know, curveballs thrown at you till literally the day that the event happens, you just lose a lot of sleep, right? right? You know, I think there was a 72 hour span where I didn't sleep 
leading up to that that event um and we were it was the wednesday before the game so two days before we had the family skate and the practice and you know all the activities kick off we had a final meeting with the league and um, it was decided that every family member or guest who was going to family skates and be around the group needed to be COVID tested. So I think we had 270 people that needed to be COVID tested within the next 24 hours. So working with uh, John Worley and his group and the, uh, the, the building folks, we were able to pull, pull off a drive-through testing facility and um, make sure that everyone involved was, was negative and um, then you always worry about the positives too. How right. do you how do you deal with that? So, um, just another hurdle that we had to get through, but get over and and we did. And overall, the event could not have gone better um, with all the obstacles that we were faced. The um, the uh, um, you know the the one that really still I feel bad for is Jonas Bardeen. You know, like to. I just remember talking to him in Dallas, and he was talking about it. I was so excited. He'd never played an outdoor game in his life, and missed. Remember the the game at TCF? I think with a broken foot. Yeah, it and was. You know, then he tests positive, and then he tested positive, with no and, symptoms. and no symptoms. But you got to follow. You know, right. you got to follow the rules, and you got to follow the the guidelines to make sure that everyone else is around is is staying healthy. And yeah, it was a it was definitely a bummer. As you know. Rhodes is one of the, the favorite guys in the locker room and yeah. everyone loves to have him around. So, um, yeah, it was unfortunate for him, but, um, I think if you asked him today, are you, are you bummed you missed it? He'd say, yeah, but look where we are now. Right. Right. No doubt. And he's playing unbelievable hockey right now. Uh, um, Andrew, like what was your favorite part of the winter classic? Like the, what are the, like the, you know, even as beat writers, we saw a lot, but we didn't see it a lot. We weren't allowed on the field, things like that, that other writers in the past usually get to do. Um, what were some of the kind of behind the scenes things that like a lot of fans didn't get to see? They, you know, like I remember I was talking to Felino and Greenway and they're like, yeah, all we did was like eat soup between periods <laughs> and you know, all the stuff that, I mean, it had to be just absolutely I remember talking to Capo Kakin and he's like, yeah, they didn't think of giving the backup goalie the heated chair and he's sitting there on a, on a ice cold on the bench. And then he's suddenly in the game in the third period. You know, I think looking back to 2016 at TCF, that was really cool um, with the uh, stadium series game as that was our first outdoor game. Yeah. Right. And that was the weather was perfect. It was a it was honestly storybook as it started to light snow after the second period and um we we won the way we did against chicago um but this one selfishly for me just having my past relationship um with the minnesota twins mm -hmm. it was really one of those where two uh two worlds collided and um you know we brought Rod McCormick, the equipment guy um, from the Twins, along with Dustin Morse, the PR guy, and Mike Herman, um, my, my counterpart. We brought them as in as assistants. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to joke all couple days that they were I was their boss for the day. <laughs> so um, as you know, I was just starting off my career with them um, years ago. So they were you know my boss. So um, just to have that interaction again with them, um, and then really the moment that that gave me chills the most was not because of the cold, but the, the chilling moment for me was as the guys were being announced um, from center yeah. field. And I looked up cause I was out there kind of directing traffic. Um, I looked up and saw the ballpark and, and was able to kind of take a deep breath and say, we made it, yeah. you know, everything that was planned was in place. And 
it was out of my control at that point. I think that was my moment that I, I said, damn, this is fun. Yeah, now it's on the players. We got yeah. here. Um, <laughs> next uh, thing that you had a plan was uh, that, that a lot, I know a lot of people plan was the Miko Koiva Jersey retirement. and uh, But the logistics, the invited guests, the parties, um, all that type of stuff, uh, that was your baby. I, I watched you for weeks on end uh, planning that stuff. Um, how, do, how does one plan that and also like keep Miko in a loop but keep a lot of the surprises you know I think working with Miko for the last eight seasons right or having him be around for the last eight seasons with me um, since my start with the wild we became really close friends and to be able to be a part of this so hands-on as I was um, was not only gratifying from a, a career standpoint as he was the first number you know number nine is the first number to be retired for us but also from a friend standpoint and just really be be in the middle of it and with his friends and family and you know he had over 25 people flying from finland um we had over 25 alumni come in for it um all of his local family and friends as well so you know there was 80 to 100 people that were in the building just for miko that day um but yeah it was again it was one of those where the year started off COVID hot and then we got to the winter classic and then we got to the reschedule of games and then we got to the Miko Koivu day mm-hmm. and then we got what's next. Right? right. So, um, to be able to, to get through that weekend was another achievement, but also the stress of the buildup to it. A lot of meetings, you know, credit to, to our, our marketing and business folks for the attention to detail on a lot of things. Um, and really being, having the communication be open to what would Miko want? And anybody that was at the game or watched on, on Bally's was, they noticed that, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back and pat the wild on the back because I would say that this, there was not one thing left out. Mm-hmm. We, we hit it out of the park and, and Miko appreciated every moment of it. And to bring 25 alumni in, um, guys like Kyle Brodziak, Nick Backstrom, um, Sean Hill, um, Clayton Stoner, some of these guys, you know, Pierre-Marc Bouchard, I know you had a podcast with mm-hmm. him. This was the first time that he had been back yeah. to Minnesota since leaving the organization. And that opens up another conversation that we're having continually. And you're going to, you know, people are going to see some pretty fun stuff come out soon with the alumni. And um, I don't want to give too much information now, but I can tease it. Um, we're that I'm heavily involved with right now on, on the alumni side. So meaning that um, alumni will start to be uh, like. Like, you know, we're 22 years in now. Right. You know, yeah. we they have wanted, a, I know, during the 20th year to almost bring in one by one and yeah. start on, and honoring them. We've, uh, we're 22 years in and we have an alumni. We have a strong yeah. history now of, of very good players and very good human beings that played for our organization. And everyone in today's current organization knows we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the alumni. And uh, it, it, just like the league in general and, and league overall, it's, it's, we, we take pride in our alumni. And I think that's going to be really exciting to see over the next couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. But to see those guys get back together, the banter hasn't stopped and story time opens yeah. up. And, you know, you got stories of, you know, Tony DaCosta doing stuff from year one and the guys <laughs> still remember it or, or, you know, 
Backy and Brodzy laughing about something I did six or seven years ago. And it's just fun to, to get the guys back. And it just proves that the banter never stops. Stoner was the last commit, right? Wasn't yes. it? Like, you came up to me and like, <laughs> Columbus or Detroit, you know, like you're not going to believe this. Stoner just said I'm in. I'm like, well, how much did that flight cost well, you? It was funny because I'd called I'd called Stoner a couple of weeks prior to the event and just said, you know, you know, invited him back as as I did with all the other. I think we spoke. I spoke with 40 alumni, um, and 25 or 26 were committed. And you know, I think that's a great great turnout for you know everyone has their own lives going on and right. and um, a lot of them did tribute videos and whatnot but um to have that committed group come back was really fun to see and so i reached out to clayton a few weeks prior to the event and he couldn't do it um his his daughter was kind of in a playoff hunt of her own mm -hmm. and he was a coach for it and um but then the night before he was supposed to travel <laughs> he calls or he texts me and he goes i feel guilty call me and I had no idea what that meant. So I call him and I said, what's going on? And he goes, I, I feel guilty I'm not there. Book me my flight. And sure enough, he, he just wanted to get back with the boys and be there for Miko. So yeah. pretty cool. That's cool. cool. Um, were you surprised at how broken up Miko was when that number hit the ceiling? It was an unbelievable moment that I think will be remembered forever. You know, you, you asked me earlier, what were some of the behind the scenes of the Winter Classic? Um, and, you, could, you know, I, I got a different perspective of a lot of the stuff and same with this event as i was planning it you know miko has really been able to take a step back and look at how much the organization meant to him and meant to his family and his his life overall and i think he took everything to heart that we did and he we we talked multiple times every day leading up to it mm -hmm. And just to make sure he was prepared and, you know, every time he, he had to take a deep breath because he was overwhelmed by just the, what the organization was doing, the, the fan reaction and, you know, all the above. So, um, am I surprised for the emotion? No. Would the general fan be? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, but I saw it kind of along the way and, and he, he knows that the Minnesota wild are, are part of him and, to see that banner raise up, he was he was taken back, as we all saw. Yeah, you could tell how appreciative he was. And then it doesn't end for you. Uh, trade deadline a couple of weeks later. Um, it is funny. Uh, you know, again, sort of like you're saying that you get a different perspective seeing these things, like Biko Koivu behind the scenes that we don't see. You know, same thing sometimes I get to see you work your magic on a day like today. And as I'm running around tweeting, getting scoops and all this stuff, I'm, I'm kind of peering in your office and I see you because you're pretty much at that point on trade deadline day. You're on real time finding out, all right, I got to get Marc-Andre Fleury here. I got to get, you know, this guy here, that guy here. What was that day like for you? You know, I think, again, um, just kind of a, it's a it's a wait until the fire drill is pulled or the fire alarm is mm -hmm. pulled and then, you know, 100 miles a minute. Right. And waiting for, for Billy G and, and Chris O'Hearn to, to give information as each deal is, you know, kind of concluded and, and put together. And and, you know, then the next step is reaching out and, and connecting the dots. And, um, you know, with Josty coming on. That was a unique one because, you know, every every trade has a unique twist. And, you know, every guy's coming from a different location. They have a different family dynamic. They have, um, you know, 
X, Y, and Z that the other one doesn't have. And you just really welcome them to Minnesota as quick as you can and as passionate as you can and, and make sure that they feel welcome. Um, you know, for instance, Josty, they were in Colorado, was in LA. Um, we got him here as quick as possible so he could play the next day. And he was traveling with uh, pretty much a, a small duffel of a couple pairs of warm clothes and one suit. And we were about ready to embark on that long trip. And, you know, it, so he trying to work with that and, you know, him being a, a single guy ended up flying his mom in from Edmonton, um, flying her from Edmonton to Colorado so she could pack his things to come to Minnesota. Um, and then, you know, as the, the trade deadline day happened, you know, you kind of sensed that we were going to have a busy day. So you kind of wipe your calendar just to be ready. Mm -hmm. And then it was, you know, boom, boom, boom and try to juggling four you know four relocations at once is always a, yeah. a puzzle yeah yeah and jost you were his welcoming party right i yes. heard Bill garen thank you for that so. we um you know it's always one of those things like how can you make a, a a new guy feel as welcomed as possible right and and again credit to craig and billy and the coaches you know dean and the coaches our main goal is to create an atmosphere that guys want to play for right mm -hmm. guys want to be in our locker room guys want to play for the minnesota wild guys guys know that we're a first class organization and as each one of these guys signed that was the theme of the conversation was we've heard so much so many good things about this group or you know we heard dean is unbelievable or we you know billy g is is wow right and mm -hmm. to hear that repetitively coming in was like you know, it was, it was a pretty powerful moment for myself as well, because a lot of that falls on myself and the support staff to make sure that day-to-day -day culture exists. Right. And we have such a tight-knit group on a daily basis that we, we take pride in that. And um, so to have that come in and, and as I welcomed Josty, you know, I picked him up from the airport. I brought him around. I, I, you know, I showed him where the practice facility was. We actually stopped by the St. Paul Hotel so that um, Billy and Craig, they were having dinner, could uh, welcome them as him as well. And um, that's just the way that his Minnesota time started. Yeah, right. When do you on that day know that, all right, I don't have to get a commercial flight from Marc-Andre Fleury? I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and is that Craig that just says, all right, you can have my plan? Or, or do you have any part of that? You know, process. I think, and it's funny because like Deloria, he's, you know, he's a jokester, right? Right. He's like, where's he goes, my, where's charter? my private jet from Anaheim? <laughs> you know? And it's like, wait a minute. Well, well let's pump the brakes a second. <laughs> you're, lucky you're not in the middle seat. <laughs> no, let's pump the brakes a second. It, 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 all the, the stars aligned for that situation, right? Chicago's close. Um, you know, our Craig, our owner has his, his private plane and, mm -hmm. um, he goes back and forth to Racine, um, on a, a you know, very frequent basis, um, which is right outside of Chicago. So um, for for the plane to go down and pick him up and we wanted to get him there, get him to Minnesota as soon as possible, you know, because we were a goalie short because mm -hmm. we that was the same afternoon that um, Capo went to um, San Jose. So mm -hmm. we were either going to need to bring a goalie up from Iowa or get um, Flurry here to, to back up. And like I said, everything just kind of aligned and it worked for Billy to, to head down on the, the plane to get him. And after the fact, when I was talking to Flower, I said, did you know Billy was picking you up? And he kind of chuckled and he said, 
I did, but I thought he meant pick me up from the airport, not pick me up in Chicago. <laughs> so that was that was a funny moment to to kind of talk through what he he saw and yeah. um, again just the level of commitment um, that Billy G had for each move was it's incredible. Yeah, these are the type of things that mean a ton to a player. There's no doubt about it. What was it like? Um, like when you were the one that uh, pulled Capo off the ice, right? Um, like yeah. when? How do you get that call? And do you at that point know where he's going, or are you are you just given a text to call says, "Hey, go out there and get Capo." You know, I think it, it happened. I think John Worley actually got the call. And I was closest to the bench um, in the hallway, and he just kind of motioned to me and said, hey, you know, pull Capo off. Trade deadline day, from an operation standpoint, you knew what had happened, right? right. Um, I, I watched Eric Belanger once be pulled off the ice at Calgary when he was traded to the Washington Capitals, and it was pretty, I mean, it was just fascinating watching him, like, you know, like, as a beat writer, you don't normally get to see that moment where a guy realizes, uh-oh, my life's been just turned upside down. And, you know, I think it was a game day, right? It wasn't a practice day. Capo's head was in game mode, yeah. right? Um, pre-game skate, not focused, you know, he, I'm sure he was aware it was trade deadline day, of course, but he wasn't thinking about that at that moment. Yeah. And, you know, so when I was able to pull him off, you know, I, I just said, hey, you know, I told him he had to get off the ice and the first thing that he, his mind went to was something happened to his family or something happened to his girlfriend. And he goes, just let me know. Just please tell me that my family's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. He didn't oh, even boy. think about, yeah. you know, he didn't even think about the hockey side of it. It was mm -hmm. the human side of it. Yeah. And I just said, yeah, you know, I, I acknowledged that everything was okay. You know, and then of course, shortly after Billy spoke with him. Yeah. Wow. That's a uh, tough man. And uh, he's gotten off to a rough start in San Jose too. So hopefully, you know, and that's where you, you like, you build relationships with these guys, you know, Capo was in, within our, you know, he, what he was drafted in 2014. Yeah. So he spent a good chunk of his life with our organization. And, you know, you see guys, you know, shortly after the trade deadline, Colorado came in and Sturm, Sturmy was already here. And so you got to just say hi, hi to them again and, and check in on them and, um, that's where the banter continues. Mm -hmm. You know, you something pops up in the news or something you read reminds you of a certain player. You just shoot him a text and hope all is well. And yeah, you know, just check those in. Those are those are life moments. I still like as you're telling this. I'm I'm remembering uh, being at at uh, Braemar one day when uh, when Ryan Suter's wife ran in there to get him off the ice at a pre-skate because uh because his dad had yeah. had a heart attack so yeah you 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 don't you think that it's like obvious that he's getting traded and the first thing he thinks about is oh boy you know and so. i think I, I i saw you put that tweet out today about you know bring some questions in right yeah. so i just scrolled through and you know one of the questions was what's your your best or, or most remembered boudreaux story yeah and yeah, talking, was, talking yeah. about the human side of things yeah um that that preseason game yep. where Bruce's his brother had a heart attack and passed away. Yeah. And for me to be that, you know, Crystal had called me and I wondered why she was calling me during the game. Mm -hmm. And to to be that person to to pull Bruce into his office and tell him that his brother had passed away, that's that really puts the human side of things into perspective of, you know, we're more than just a, a work group we're more than just an organization it's a family group yeah no doubt about it um i'm trying to find this joke that john anderson said uh so john anderson was then coached the next exhibition game 
for Bruce, and he, I'm, I think I just found it. He goes, uh, oh, my God. He, like, took a shot at Tyler Ennis. I'm going to find it. But, oh, okay, yeah. He, so th- this is when we, uh, like, like that one di- game that, that Bruce Boudreaux didn't coach. Um, we were talking about Tyler Ennis, and he goes, what does he weigh? A little bit more than a Kleenex? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be fun. Let's have him uh, be out here a little more often. <laughs> What's your funniest Bruce Boudreaux story, though? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, Bruce having the nickname of Gabby, right? Like it was, I don't know if I can really pinpoint one moment, um, but it was, Bruce and I had a great relationship, right? And we still do. Um, But I I don't know if I can pick one funny story, but it was just the the day-to-day life of it, right? Day-to-day life. And, and, um, you know, but it's the day-to-day life with as each coach comes and goes, you know, having... Having seen Philadelphia a couple times now this year, being able to catch up with Mike Yo and um, you know John Torchetti being yeah. an assistant coach out there, getting time with him and Chuck Fletcher being able to come in for the Miko Koivu event, yeah. and you know it, it's amazing how tight of a, a group that it remains over the years. And everyone knows it's a business, but it's a friendship and and um, just relationships being built. No doubt about it. Uh, let's run through Twitter questions. Uh, I got some really good ones that I've saved on here. Um, we've, we've talked about this before, but why Whitey again? Jackson wants to know. Uh, Why's your nickname, yeah, Whitey? Whitey. Whitey came um, to be back in my baseball days. Um, and the, the, back when I was with the Twins, um, the, the group of guys just, I don't know how it started, but um, they just one day started calling me Whitey, uh-huh. and I ended up getting a full-time job with the Tampa Bay Rays, and I, I um, said, all right, fresh new start. Nobody knows my name. Nobody knows who I am, <laughs> and my VP at the time picked me up at the airport, and he opens the door, and he says, hop in, Whitey. Let's go. So, of course, the, the word traveled that um, that was my nickname, and and um, the, the, the day that it stuck, I was with the Rays, and we had an off day and I ended up going freshwater scalloping with a buddy and uh, out in the Gulf of Mexico for about 12 to 14 hours and got completely burnt like to a point of uh, my skin was going to fall off and I go back into the the clubhouse the next day and I walk into the coach's room and um, our bullpen uh, bullpen coach at the time Bobby Ramos looks at me and he goes damn whitey use some sunscreen (laughs) and it stuck from there so that's uh it's traveled from minnesota to to florida back to minnesota and 14 years later it's still here i love this question because we we joke about this all the time i always call you the george costanza of the wild but uh (laughs) minnesota weather geek uh goes are you the only one are you part of a team you're a one-man team you know what it yes each organization is different some you know, most teams have two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would say, you know, I think you wrote that article a couple of years ago. I'm a department of one. Yeah. But again, there's so many different moving parts where I lean on, you know, Tony DaCosta or Aaron Sickman or or John Worley or, you know, all the support staff and the management group. Um, so, yes, I'm the only person that does my job, but it's, uh, it's definitely a team effort and... Um, I would say that my personality is so uh, point A that I, I want to have my hands on everything to make sure it's done right. Yep, I and I don't have to that. worry. And I, uh, so I, I'm not going to complain. I'm just one. Yep, I could appreciate that. Um, 
Wild Boys wants to know, do you ever sleep? <laughs> My wife asked me that too. Um, you know what? Because you can really, you never, like, you know, when I go to bed, I put my phone on silent you can't do that no it's my phone's on loud at all times um and i have a 15 month old at home as well so juggling juggling him and and you know my home life plus the the hours of being on my phone and being on work related um i'd say i'm good with four hours (laughs) four hours a night is a good night um but i've never needed a lot of sleep and when we're on the road and changing time zone to time zone or long you know long flights or late arrivals um you can't function off of too many hours so right right um, i guess that's a skill that i was born with uh it's about to get loud here uh i'm this i'm the idiot that in the second busiest convention city in the world probably other than vegas i decided to set up shop in front of a ballroom at my hotel <laughs> here in Nashville. So I uh, apologize if you can hear this. Although I did that uh, Chris Stewart podcast from the Hockey Expo a couple of weeks ago, and I don't think it could have been louder. I'm looking for this funny po- uh, question I got, but of course I can't find it. Um, but uh, let's see. Let's let's go to some of the, my liked questions. I liked a bunch. There were actually some really good ones here. So um, this is why I always put this out, because they always ask better questions than me. Um Random user, we talked about. What's the hardest situation that you've ever gotten uh, get, to get a player to the game? Was that the De- Dubnik one or any oh, others? A, a player specifically, or just a team a travel? Player. A player specifically was um, specifically would probably be the Devin Dubnik when we traded mm-hmm. for him from Arizona and needed to get him into Buffalo, New York. Um, the next night, um, the deal went down about seven thirty p.m. Um, and that was my. First, that was my sixth day on the job. Yeah. Um, and Chuck what a Fletcher week you had. <laughs> Chuck Fletcher called me and said that we had made the trade for goalie Devin Dubnik and we needed him here by the next night to uh, to play. Um, as you know, we were on that losing streak at the time and we needed to try and get a new life into the the team. And um, so I called Devin confidently and said, Hey, you need to jump on a red eye flight, middle seat jet blue, mm-hmm. connecting through Newark to get into Buffalo at six AM so you can play. And I said, it is your, you know, it's your, your choice, but this is what we'd really like you to do. And, um, we got him here. We ended up winning. I think, what was it? Seven, seven two. Yeah. Seven, seven, nothing. seven, nothing. And, yeah. um, and then later that as our relationship built, um, Doobie also found out that that was only my first week on the job. And he, he just chuckled because he's like, you came in so confident telling me this was my only option. So I'm like, if this guy's telling me I got to do it, I got to yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was a tough one. Um, and then, yeah, it's the you, Calgary fire was your first day. The Calgary right? fire Basically, was, first it, it was trip. that was a tough one yeah. as well. And I know you had, written about that so um Um, but the you know another tough one was last year when we traded for ian cole you know that was during the the pandemic and the only way that we were able to get that trade off was because we could put him in a car service and get him from um la to anaheim and swap players with 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 Colorado. Yeah. So isn't it amazing? Like you look back, that was only what, uh, that was two January. So it was last January. So it was 14, 15 months ago. Like years from now, we're going to look back at how weird this pandemic is. Like you could not put him, like they couldn't take the team bus because the team bus needed to be like, like, like disinfected to go back. So you had to like take a, I mean, it, like, yeah, I think you look that's back where some of these things and you just like, Years from now, we're going to be around. Like, remember that time when, uh, like, we all had to wear gloves and, you know, like... It's and I think it was the unknown, right? Yeah. We were so bound and determined to get to the end goal 
that we didn't want to misstep. Yeah. So we we took the we took the the route of over caution, yeah. over cautious, and I think that's what you know made some of these situations happen. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's yeah we can look back and laugh or cry cry really um but, but it's funny what, when you look back at the end of your career like yeah one of the most challenging things i ever had to do was get a player from la yeah. anaheim you and know, that's like what, it should be the easiest trade in history you know some now that we're back traveling full that's what is so interesting is because we we're coming into some of these cities as we sit in nashville right now right. it's been two and a half years since we've been here i know and they're a divisional team that we haven't played or seen in two and a half years in the city. So coming in and seeing the same hotel reps and, and the same bus driver, Pat, who, you know, he was excited just to see my phone number pop up. And, um, you know, I think that's what's been so fun and kind of, of you know, energizing mm -hmm. is, is to get back into this normal travel and see these people that we haven't seen in years who were normally part of our normal our normal life. I love this question from Maddie. What players are the easiest to reach and what players are the hardest to get a hold of? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, current or former? Uh, both. I would say, you know... Who's every, the hardest players? Like, you call and you're like, uh, can you just call back or Well, can I say pets? it now? Miko Koivu. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no he... Uh, it's, every, every guy has a different personality and every guy has a different, you know tendency or, or quirk or whatnot and that's what makes this job fun is just learning personalities of every <laughs> single guy and learning that you know you need to do this to to kind of spark this guy or you yeah. need to do this to make sure this guy responds or um you know it, it I'm gonna do I would a say, I would say I this. Yeah. Zuccarello is the funniest guy to interact with on this current team uh -huh. just because of his past experiences with New York and his his uh you know quirky personality his his yeah his tendencies his his he's a very simple human being but he's also an amazing team guy that looks out for the group as a whole and you know whether i roll my eyes at some of the things zuki says and does yes but at the end of the day does he mean well every single time something comes out of his mouth 100 percent. yeah i'm gonna do a podcast once and tell about the hardest agents to get a return <laughs> uh call back from that I'd like to do one right now, actually, <laughs> talk about one agent in particular. Um, here's a good one, Nick. Uh, this is the Mark andre Fleury question. Do players fly commercial or charter after a trade? First class or coach? That's a good one. Like, you know, Jake, you know, like a guy like Jake Middleton, giant, you put him in first that, class. Who picks him up from the airport? Who's their main point of contact? It's different every time, I'm sure. Yeah, like I said, it, it goes back to... to this is the very first impression that the team that the guy's going to mm -hmm. have with this the organization, mm -hmm. and you know, again credit to Craig and Billy and and Chris O'Hearn on allowing the budget to happen. Mm -hmm. um, I I might be biased, but we do everything at a very first class level, mm -hmm. and um, you know a lot of it's directed by the CBA too. You know, first class flights or or travel restrictions and and but you know we do our best to to get the best flight option, best first class option. Um, and then whoever, you know, whether myself picks them up or, or Billy goes and picks mm -hmm. them up or whoever, make sure that someone's there to welcome them and answer any question um, that they have as, you know, they restart their life in a new city. Mm -hmm. uh, Hideki asks, what's some interesting requests from players you've been asked of? Uh, I always hear about uh, 
concert riders like you know take the uh orange m&ms out or something <laughs> well i will say you know going back to bruce one of the funny things was he needed to have you know two oranges and and three granny smith apples and two diet cokes in every hotel room that was just his that's what he wanted that was his routine um and it's not absurd but it's unique right or um how about his uh, his cheese? Uh, the ham ham sandwich. Yeah. The, the buttered 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 ham sandwich. But um, I just I always found it fascinating that Bruce Boudreau hated cheese. <laughs> yeah, like, he liked it on pizza. I'll have a cheeseburger. Hold the cheese. Remember, he had like a, and it was more comical. But when we were in Edmonton and you had chicken parm sandwiches after uh, practice and there was cheese on it, and he, he had like a meltdown. Yeah. Um, but as far as players go, they're pretty simple. You know, you have. I will say this: you have your. Your certain pregame meals that guys like, yeah. um, certain, you know, the breaded chicken or, um, you know, things that they like before the game. You know, Flurry likes a certain type of oatmeal now before the games. So, you know, we try to accommodate that. And, um, you know, there's just little things, but nothing too over the top um, comparable to, to, you know, artist riders and whatnot. Yeah, right. Um, Hideki, what's the coolest part of being part of the Wild organization that the average fan wouldn't understand? You know, I do, think... Do, do in a way that you're not kissing everybody's yeah, butt. Yeah, there. Right? Like, oh, no. just, you know... <laughs> what, is, what is the cool part of that? Like, you, you have a lot of perks, too. I mean, you have a bat phone. You can... Yeah. Tickets. I mean, you, you know, you have, I'm sure a player comes to you is like, hey, I need a car guy. You have a car guy. I mean, you, that's the cool part of your job is you, you have relationships all over the freaking city, probably the country. And, and I think um, you're right. Yeah. It's one yeah. of those where I, if you ask my, my wife that, she'd say there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of cons. Yeah. Right. But there is a lot of perks to the job and there's just, it's, it's all, it's a people person job um, that you get to know people throughout the whole U.S. and, and to make, you know, I, everyone needs "quote unquote" that guy, yeah. or everyone has a guy, and I, you know, I think I fall into that category for a lot of things, as you know, players or, or management need stuff, and um, you know, I always say if I lost my phone, I'd be, I'd be all of us, all of us, yeah. So, um, so I think there's, but to be honest, the coolest part about working in sports is being so close to the action without being on the ice. Yeah. You know, every single one of us, and, and I'm not trying to be too cliche or, or you know, like you said, too sappy on mm -hmm. it all, but everyone within our travel party or even the organization, but it's specifically our travel party, we're so close to the action every single day. And we live and die on the wins and losses. Yeah. And we, we, we're on the same grind that the 23 guys on the ice are on, mm -hmm. right? We put just as much work into it to make this thing run as they do. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you asked every single one of us in the, the room, what's our end goal? It's to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And, you know, just as excited as a player is to put a ring on or hold the, the trophy up, so am I. So to be a, a included and attached to that, um, it's not even, you know, really describable until you actually live it. And especially because... I, and I don't know if it's unique just to hockey because I've really, I mean, I've covered every sport, but pretty much only hockey. But I always feel like the support staff in hockey is considered part of the team with the players. Like if you ask any player in that locker room, they are, if, if they win a Stanley Cup, they're going to be just as excited to watch you and Tony DaCosta and John Worley lift the cup as they are, you know, Nick Delorier and Jonas Bardeen. I mean, it's, that's a unique thing about hockey is that you are, a teammate. 100%. And yeah. I think, and I actually lived through that too with baseball. Like, we, you know, 
baseball group they're they're very tight but you have different levels of of say baseball you have it's a it's a individual success team sport you have the pitcher versus the batter you have your bullpen guys you have your position guys you have your outfielders um all of course working together to win but if the group on the ice isn't clicking or if the the roster isn't clicking or if you know tony DaCosta's is not sharpening the skates or if mm-hmm. or if you know sean skahan's not doing you know the stuff in the weight room it's not gonna end well or you know everything it's a jigsaw puzzle that if you're missing one piece it's not going to be completed no doubt um yeah i mean cool job that you have uh, as busy it is i would say even mine like you know like obviously i'm not part of the team and but you know same thing when you mentioned being part of the action i had this i had this moment yesterday in washington just walking around that arena running into guys like ovechkin and tj oshi after it's like you know what a cool job that afterwards you can just run into a pl- uh one of the great players of all time and just shoot the breeze with him for a couple minutes and you, you know, you know I, down at, at the GM's meetings last week and just shooting the breeze with NHL players that have played this game forever or been the part of the game and you know same thing Raleigh the other day you know being in the bowels of an arena that fans never get to be in you know it's just it's a neat job that all of us have you obviously in a very different perspective and I think you're right and I think you know as as frustrating and, and hard as the job can be at times, that's where you need to just take a deep breath and take a step back mm-hmm. and say, you know, 99% of the fans would dream to be in this, yeah. this actual, this current situation mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Except and today on my travel problems, 99% <laughs> exactly. of the fans listening could have that. Exactly. It's all yours. <laughs> and so. I think too, like you I, said, I should have called you today. Like, Whitey, I have a problem. I can't get out of DC. Get well, me out of here. When you texted me that, I said, oh gosh, how is he going to need help now? Right. <laughs> um, but even too, like looking at, you know, Krill break the record Yeah. to build it, you know, personally give him a handshake and say congratulations yeah. after the yeah. game um, on a moment that, you know, it's been years in the making right or since it's been broke so just little things like that that really i don't it doesn't go unappreciated you want to hear one perspective and i'm not trying to throw shade at the record because it's unbelievable the guy's an unbelievable player so the other day i looked up how many when he tied the record against the penguins and remember they announced it during the game with like sydney and getting on the bench and i was thinking to myself that deep down if they heard that announcement evgeny and sid had to look at each other wait what 83 points is the wild record for scoring. So I looked up how many times a Penguin player has exceeded 82 points in Pittsburgh Penguins history. 70 times. I believe, you know, 70, 83 point guys. You look at, you know, and you look at their, you look at their team and you look at the teams they've had and the the players they've had. It doesn't surprise me. Um, Let's talk about, hey, let's talk about that in 10 more years and see how many we have. That's a good point. And he might have 10 of them. Josh Yo, though, uh, our Pittsburgh athletic writer had a great line to me. He said 83 points was a bad first half for Mario. So final couple questions, really good ones here. Hideki, do you have free time and what do you do with it? Yeah, I think, and again, credit to Billy um, for creating the family first mentality. Um, you know, it's a it's a work life balance that it took me many years to accomplish. Um, but especially now that I have a, a son and another one on the way, mm-hmm. um, you need to you need to break away from it, and um, y- you get into a routine of knowing when you need to look at the phone and prioritizing and and um time management but i'd say if you don't have the work-life balance i'd be already done in this job yeah you got to build the find a release and um yeah i've been fortunate enough to to kind of learn that early enough in my career to survive yeah and luckily with a smartphone these days it's not like 
Well, you know, the old days where you have to call a travel agent. I mean, I can only. Funny you say that because, uh, you know, traveling from where were we? We, were, we started this trip in Carolina yeah. um, and went to Washington. And, and Tom Reed, who we all know is our radio voice, um, he had accidentally left his phone on the plane. <laughs> um, and he was sitting next to me on the bus. And, and it was funny because Lou, Lou Nanny was on the TV side of it this trip as well. And um, they were D partners for nine years back with the North Stars. Mm-hmm. And the banter hasn't stopped, right? It's the same exact banter that they had, you know, back then as they do now. And so, so TR's feeling around in his pockets and says, oh, man, I left my phone. And Whitey, how can we, you know, what's the, the options? And um, But it, it, we went on to talk about nowadays what if i lost my phone for a day what would that what would that even consist of and i said i would i don't know i would panic and um this thing is gold and like you said smartphones have really i wouldn't say made the job easier because then you know the expect expectations are immediate but um it definitely makes the day-to-day work and logistics a lot easier yeah no doubt about it like today I I finally said the hell with it. Screw Delta, and within one minute, I booked myself a flight on American. So <laughs> finally, uh, you know. But it, I mean, that's what it all it takes yeah. on an app. Boom, done. Uh, Keith Landgrave, the perfect segue here. Final couple questions for you, Andrew. Um, who's the most famous person in your phone contacts who he knows would answer his call or text? Ooh, that's a good one. That is um, a good one. I don't know if I'm allowed to answer this one right now because uh, Billy G always says I name drop, and he, mm-hmm. you know, Tony DaCosta says he wears steel-toed boots around me and all that. <laughs> Nice, you know, but no, joking, all jokes aside, um, again, being able to work in the sports industry for this many years, you know, you, it just builds up over the years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't look at them as, as, oh, wow, I have so-and-so in my phone, you know, because you, you become acquaintances or friends with them. Um, let's see, who would it be? Uh, Joe Maurer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsey Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Madano, but again, he's, you know, he's part of our organization. By the way, I'm three for three. I got all those numbers (laughs) in my phone. Um, Let's see. I got to, I got to be able to stump you then. Um, Let's see. Lead singer from Mark, OAR. Mark Robert. Yep. I actually saw Richard on their guitarist. Right. I have Benji's um, number on my phone. Uh, the, he, from OAR. They live in Washington. So yeah. him and his family came out to the game last night and we were able to catch up. Oh, that's cool. Um, but, you know, just again, it's, it's. Yeah, I watched an OAR uh, documentary once and they, it was so cool. They were, they're from Maryland, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it was, oh man, it was such a you great. You know, 12 year old me would say Patrick Renna. Yeah. Ham from yep. Sandlot. Yep. Became yep. friends, you know, acquaintances that's cool. over I the years. Ham. Um, you know, we did a thing with the twins when I was with the twins, we did a a 20th anniversary of Sandlot. So we got to, got to know them. Um, uh, yeah, again, it's, it's just relationships. It's funny with the, everybody, because everybody always says with me and name dropping too, we should have like a little (laughs) contest after this, just go through our phones. Uh, Uh, I, I, I got, I definitely, I mean, that's the cool part, like, of my, like, my contact. Same thing, though. It's like, you know, like, if I ever lost this, um, but, yeah, I mean, there's probably most famous hockey players in the world are in exactly. my phone. It's pretty neat. And that's where, you you know, yeah. you, you look at it and you're like, you don't even think about it, but, you know, say I'm out for buddy, out for drinks with my college buddies and they just want to get a, yeah. get their hands on this just yeah. to. I had that recently, like, somebody's like, show me Wayne Gretzky's number. I'm like, here. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, two more. Um I'm going to end the the last one because this is a question that everybody asks all the time. So let me just start with this one. Um, This is a good one from Kevin. Is there a player that stands out to you as the most Minnesota nice who went above and beyond and appreciate appreciation for your work? You know, I think 
gosh. Pross. Nate Prosser, um, Ryan Carter. Yeah. Um, you know, those are Nick Backstrom, Miko. Like, there's so many that, like I said in my earlier, you know, response, each guy has such a different personality and you build a different type yeah. of relationship with them. And, you know, again, throughout the whole support staff, the players know that they, you know, they couldn't be there without the help of everyone around them. So they mm -hmm. appreciate, they truly appreciate the work that we do. Um, but again, you got to think of the, the Minnesota names, like I had mentioned, and um, Thomas Vanek. Yeah. He's, he's I, I another only, one. I only brought up Pross just because I remember when you the, the like the last time that you guys got him out of St. Louis, how you were on the phone <laughs> with him, and he was just like almost in tears, yeah. appreciative because so excited he was living to in a hotel, exactly. and you know it wasn't anything to do with exactly. the blues. It was more yeah. like. You know, just his coming family. back home, yeah, right? Absolutely. So, uh, uh, last question, and this is a question that so many people ask me all the time. Um, Eric Jacobson, when players are traded to get, do they get relocation expenses? Does the team pick up the hotel expenses in the home city? What about moving realty? Um, same thing with free agents, any re relocation and reimbursement. What's the CBA say? It's, that's a good, that's a, a very relevant question. Yeah. As I was on the phone this morning with um, the, the car hauler, the moving company, and uh, another um, wine inventory distributor, as we're looking to, to you know, Re, you know, transport a, a, a collection of wine on one of our guys. Ah, but um, no, we, that is. we, you know, it's one of those yeah. things where, yes, a lot of it's, it's a lot of it's directed by the CBA. Yeah. A lot of it's, it's cut and dry, yeah. you know, and that makes my job easier because yeah. I can go back and look and say, Hey guys, you know, welcome to Minnesota, but these are the steps we're going to yeah. take. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is, is on the new organization. Um, whether it be rent reimbursement or rental car or, or you know, car hauling or, um, you know, hotel until you get into your new spot, yeah. um, getting your family here per diem. You know, it's all the things that, again, make the transition as easy as possible. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to just, you know, looking at the CBA, but maybe even going a tick above yeah. to make sure that they know that they're coming into a first class organization, yeah, which I know you guys do a lot. Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, really obviously treat these guys first class. And, you know, it's funny. You just, I think brought up flurry. Um, you know, with, with, with like I was, we do have a cool job. Like I was cleaning out my pictures the other day. I just like, all of a sudden I look, I'm like, I got 5,000 pictures on my phone. So I start cleaning it through and it, man, it was like going down a history lesson. So I was showing Fleury and Raleigh. I have pictures of him in like 2009 during like media availabilities, um, 2016, 17. And then again for, for Vegas. I'm like, is there one thing you notice about all these pictures? And he's like, what? And I'm like, you look exactly the same. <laughs> Like his pictures in 09, his pictures in Vegas, his pictures today when I took, they're all the same guy. He doesn't age. It's funny you bring that up because a couple of days ago, we pulled up the famous draft photo, right? Yep. With, with um, gosh, what was that class? It was Vanek. It was Dustin uh, Brown. It was uh, Stahl. Yeah. It was Nathan Horton. Um, yeah, uh, it, all those guys. But, and it was Flurry. Yep. And, you know, Flurry's sitting front and center. And yes, he looks younger, but again, he looks the exact same. Yeah, it's crazy. And, Gets yeah, all those guys, you know. And, yeah. and that's a that's another guy. Actually, it's crazy. Suter. You know, of course, friends and family have reached out and said, you know, it's exciting to have Flower, you know, in the locker room. And how's the transition been? And I said, I've been fortunate enough again to be able to work alongside yeah. him. Um, 
and I compared it to when I was an intern with the Vikings and Brett Favre mm -hmm. got brought in. And when I was with the Twins and Jim Tomey got brought yeah. in. And, it, it, you know, you just have that level of excitement because he's such an established, you know, player. And, yeah. and it, it's just exciting to have him be around the guys and be around the room and, you know, still has that same end goal to win another Stanley Cup. No doubt about it. Yeah, the, it really is one, probably the most famous uh, hockey player that's ever played for the Wild. And the Wild have had a couple, but nothing like they, they, they had Eric Stahl and they had Owen Nolan. And, you know, I'm just trying to think like guys late in their careers that came in, but not a, not a whole lot. And, and so it's, it's pretty... It's a pretty cool thing to, you know, I, I was saying at the start, I think at the start of this podcast, I, I did the open from Ronald Reagan Airport today. <laughs> and I think I said this, but although that feels like 20 hours ago, but you know, the, the one thing I do wish is that like the locker rooms were open because you cover Mark Andre Fleury and the fun of covering him. Like when I covered them in 2018 in Vegas, um, you know, it's just hanging out by a stall, listening to him just, you know, yuck it up. It's it's a pretty cool thing. Well, Andrew, this was a treat. Um, you know, really appreciate. It. I think fans just love this type of stuff because you know, as I think, as fun as your job is to everybody out there, I think it also when they hear you talk, they realize how stress inducing it would make them. You know, <laughs> to sit there and be responsible for every single uh, logistical action, especially on the road for these guys. And you know, I can only imagine you those times when there's like a flight delay or a maintenance issue. Like those got to be the most stressful times because who's who's getting blamed? It's you. <laughs> I always say I get blamed for the weather. I get blamed for the traffic. Yep. And uh, any maintenance issue, but yeah. no, I appreciate you. I would have blamed you, uh, you for my flight today. <laughs> no, were, I uh, appreciate you bringing me back on. And yeah. let's hope my next big task is uh, planning this deep run that we're hoping yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, that's so. true. Um, and now, just to actually tell people how that will work. So, say with like three games left in the season, you still don't know if you're playing St. Louis, Nashville, Calgary, whatever. Do you book hotels for all the cities? How does that all work? The communication actually starts. You know, probably about next week, I'll start reaching out to. You know the potential cities. I think this year it's it's actually a smaller list than we've dealt with in the past. Right. I think you know what I don't know what year it was. A few years back, I think there was a potential six different teams that yeah. we could go to, um, and there was and we still that got chance. The short shrift. I <laughs> there won't say was, which market. There was still the uh, chance that we'd have home ice, and you know. So now this this list is pretty short this year. Um, but again, next in a, a week or so, I'll start to reach out to the hotels and. And that, you know, get on the phone with my Delta contacts and, you know, really build out three to four yeah. different options. And then, you know, come that conclusion or come the, the day that it's decided, I'll be able to hit the button and only have to do 20% of the work instead of, you know, 100% of the work. Yeah. I can't believe that we're so. going to St. Louis. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't you think that we deserve Nashville? Don't you think that, Andrew? All right. Thank you. This was uh, this was fun. That's Andrew Height, Wilds team uh, vice uh, director of yeah. team operations. You should be a vice president of team <laughs> operations. That's Andrew Height. Here's a word from one of our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. 
The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. My thanks to Andrew Height for joining today straight from the source. Big week for the Wild Ahead. They play at Nashville on Tuesday, then at St. Louis on Friday, and then uh, come home for a two-game homestand against the Los Angeles Kings and the Edmonton Oilers before hitting the road again against Dallas and St. Louis. Thanks uh, again for listening to Straight from the Source. As you know, podcast throughout our uh, platform here at The Athletic, Brian Boyle of the Pittsburgh Penguins is Sean Gentile's uh, and guest co-host Max Boltman's guest this week on the Athletic Hockey Show USA and follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network this week the Wednesday Roundtable provides the bonus content start with a 30 day free trial then just 99 cents a month after that and right now get an annual subscription to the Athletic for just a buck a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source talk to you next week everybody Thank you.